Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. But these things are what everybody agrees on. Every single person who really knows how to increase the revenue in this kind of business does all of these things. And so this is the absolute fundamentals that just most people are missing. And we just do that. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting-edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic, as well as we talk about after-the-click stuff and offer optimization, augmentation. You know, there's pretty much nothing that we don't talk about here, but today we're going to be talking about funnels, which I know, Kasim, is one of your favorite subjects. I love funnels. I love them, Ralph. I'm so excited. You know, we've had a lot of funnel talk on this show in the last couple of months. And even you on your YouTube channel, you're, you're coming around. I think you're not quite the enemy of funnels that you once were. And you know, our boy, uh, Russell Brunson, and you are just going to be like fast friends soon. I can just see it. Just best Well, we're buddies. friends on Facebook now. I tell you that he friended me. Oh, really? Yeah, it was Rachel Peterson. Rachel Peterson told Russell, she's like, you got to know Kasim. So yeah, she's a, she's a super connector. Yeah, but I've been yeah. I've been bested by some really smart people. There have been some uh, some of them on this show actually have come around and sort of walloped me upside the head. It's an issue of semantics, which we'll get into. So it's not nice. funnels that I've been against, and, and we can dive deeper into that if the listener cares. I'm well aware of that, but I will give you you know the proper shout out for you to you know admit that you know you have strong beliefs, but they are loosely held. They are they're able to be changed as long as the discourse is correct and and makes sense and everything else. And I think our guest today is going to even convert you even more. So the next time you talk to Russell, man, he's just going to be like this awesome guy. I should go into business with him or something. So all right, uh, before we get into uh, today's guest and the entire show, which is kind of why you're here, not to just listen to us banter and blather. Do we have a yeah, we have to. We're constantly reminded of this. You know, yeah, you guys have like a nice rapport and you're kind of funny, but can you just shut up and get to the good stuff? So we're going to get to a zinger, uh, a whopper of a nugget from our guest in just a second. But Kasim, because we love the Perpetual Traffic listener and we love when they leave reviews, especially because we're, we're doing okay in certain countries here as far as being the number one podcast for marketing in the world. Can you maybe review or recite one of the more recent reviews for Perpetual Traffic? Yeah. So this is from Rafa Veit. I'm so sorry if I've mispronounced your name. And Rafa says, goldmine of knowledge. This is by far the best podcast about digital marketing out there. Every episode is packed with relevant and applicable information. Definitely recommend it for all agency owners and digital marketers. I've been listening for more than a year now, and it has made a great positive impact. Keep the great chemistry going, guys! Exclamation point. Thank you, Rafa. Thank you, Rafa. And I just love the guy's name. I, mean, I think if I lived in Spain, I'd be Rafa. So anyway, that, thank I you. I can see Rafa you pulling off a of Rafa. Yeah. Right. With, yeah. yeah. Well, nobody really knows how to pronounce my name anyway, or they just call me Frank. But anyway, either way, today's guest is not named Frank. He is named John, John Ainsworth. And today we're going to be talking about, yeah, sales funnels and stuff, but there's sort of an ulterior motive here, Kasim, to have him on because he's calling in from the great city of London. And apparently we're not doing so well in the UK podcast wise. So he is here to really boost our rating. He's like the Nielsen rating guy that comes and like boosts the ratings for a week. Like he's our guy in the UK. It, and why is that? We're, we're not doing so well in the UK. Well, so we're doing great. You know, in Canada, we're number 12 for all marketing uh -huh. podcasts. In the US, we're number 59 and climbing. In Australia, we're number 62 and climbing. We just jumped 23 position points. And then Great Britain, 
Number 99, Ralph. We're, we're almost yeah. about to hit the triple digit threshold, which is just not acceptable. So we have to reach out to our English <laughs> brethren and figure out what we're doing wrong, why we're inaccessible. I think it's a lack of sarcasm. I don't think we have enough biting humor. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 So, well, hopefully John will bring a little bit of that here today. Well, John, uh, no pressure, buddy, to carry an entire island nation itself but welcome to perpetual traffic you're the ceo of data-driven marketing what is your golden nugget here today for the perpetual traffic and particularly the uk pt listener all right so for most people i can share something that can get revenue up by about 10 to 20 percent and takes about a week's work maybe a little bit less wow and the thing with this is that everybody's probably heard of this before, but not everybody understands just how important it is. And that's order bumps. Damn. And I see this all the time that people haven't got order bumps in place. I had a friend who wanted to know every detail of the perfect launch. And I talked him through it and I said, but don't do any of it because you haven't got an order bump yet. And he didn't believe me. And by the time he'd implemented it, he made an extra $100,000 a year in profit just from putting an order bump in place because they work so well. 30 to 60% of people will buy them and you can price them at about 30% of what your main product is, adds 10 to 20% to your revenue. And they're just so simple to do. Now, e-com, digital, like everyone's like, well, I don't have an e-com business, so I can't think of an order bump. Well, that's not true, is it? So this is for anyone and everyone, correct? Yeah, so this is, if you're doing, if you're selling courses, this is an absolute goldmine. If you're doing e-commerce, it has a slightly lower conversion rate. It's more like about 15%, but it's easier to do across your entire product line with e-commerce generally. So if you're selling products online, you you should have order bumps. And John, uh, what order bumps are working the best that you've seen? Like, what is it specifically that you're giving away in some of these courses? Or not giving away, obviously, but, you know, adding on that become the impulse buy that really move the needle. Yeah, so if you're doing it in the course space, which is we work with course creators, then it's something that goes with what they're buying. Let's say somebody's buying a course, you sell a workbook that goes with it. They're selling a workbook, you sell a course that goes with it. You sell something that you already have that fits alongside what you are, what you're selling. And so you start with your most profitable product, your most well-sold product, and you make a list of every other thing that you have, everything that you sell or have ever sold, and you go, what would go with it? The crucial thing is don't make anything new. Just take something you've already got that would fit with it. It could be a Q&A webinar that goes alongside, could be a workbook, could be another course. Any of these things will work as a starting point. If you want the thing that's absolutely perfect, then generally it's like an additional product that, that adds value alongside, so like a workbook or a Q&A webinar, something like that. But it doesn't have to be perfect to get started. You have to put something up to get started. And have you seen uh, certain monetary thresholds work better than others? You know, 50 bucks, 20 pounds, like what the, are there lines? Yeah. So a good rule of thumb is something that's 30% of the price of your main product that you're selling. So let's say you're selling something for 99 bucks, then you sell an order bump for like 37. Dude, and that is a golden your... nugget. I love that you have that answer too. That's really impressive. 30% of the price of whatever the core offer is. And it's a rule of thumb very much. Like it's not a hard and fast rule. We've done stuff where we've got like a tripwire funnel. We sell something for $17 on the front end and then the order bump's 37. Like it can be more than the main product. But what about high ticket? Be, I've got a $2,000 course. What would your order bump yeah, be? Then I'd say something about a third of the price. Then you're looking at like an extra 500 bucks or 600, 700 bucks, something along those kind of lines. And we've got a client who was selling a course for $600, put the order bump at 100 bucks, was converting at 42%, doubled the price, to 200 bucks and it was still converting at 36 38 so it's just like the the price point up to about a third is like a really easy one to do so perpetual traffic listener we're going to be getting into order bumps as well as what about four or five or six other examples of things that you can do to increase your average order value long-term value as well as optimize your funnels in today's show with john so stick around we're going to get into the interview with john ainsworth CEO of Data-Driven Marketing, right after this quick break. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert 
Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are here with John Ainsworth, CEO of Data Driven Marketing, and this isn't some other funnel schmuck guy today. <laughs> All right, let's just establish that. There's a lot of funnel schmucks out there, John. I'm sorry, but there's a lot. There's a lot of agency schmucks too. <laughs> so life easier, you know. I know, isn't it great? I'm glad they're out there. It makes us look so much better. The point is, is like you've already delivered a lot of value in our first section there. Let's get into like what you guys do and what your specialty is. Obviously, we're talking funnels here, but it's not like funnels are not really like this thing that people are very forced into. It's a way in which you acquire a customer online. And a funnel is a way in which you do it. And to Kasim's point, either sort of on the pre-roll or wherever I've heard this before, is that you have a funnel whether or not you realize that you have it or not. So where do you all fit in? Like what types of customers do you work for? What else can you tell the folks about what you guys do at Data Driven Marketing? Yeah, so what we do is we work with online course creators who've already got a traffic source, whether it's ads or it's YouTube or SEO traffic, what have you. They've already got great courses, but they just haven't got the process in place for how do you convert that audience into buying enough of the courses. And this is a lot of course creators out there. This is kind of the way that they work. And so our whole process is based around how do you do that in a really valuable, ethical way that course creators are going to feel really comfortable with. It's going to help them to increase revenue while not making them feel too spammy or salesy. And what we've done is this, we went through and we tested every single funnel tactic that we could find. We went through every single stuff from uh, Russell Brunson. We went through all of the stuff from Perry Marshall, and we went through the trainings around webinars and what about VSL funnels and all of these kind of things. And what we found was the eight tactics that were the absolute 80-20, like these are the ones that you should always do no matter what for every single course business that always work. Now, sometimes you should do a webinar funnel. Sometimes you should do a VSL funnel, but the stuff that we teach is stuff that you should always absolutely do. Every single person should have in place is the absolute fundamentals of it. So what we're helping people with is like three things, overall, three kind of overall principles. One, how do you increase the revenue per sale? Currently, most people are making less every time they make a sale than they should be doing. Mm. Second thing is how do you get more of your email list to buy every month in a way that doesn't cause them to unsubscribe, that keeps people on your email list and loving it, but then buying on a regular basis? And then how do you grow that email list? And this is the way that course businesses run. If you've got a giant email list and they're buying really regularly and they're spending a lot of money every time, you have got a thriving, fantastic business. And in which case you can have a, you know, you can afford to spend loads of money on ads because you're converting loads of those people into buying. You're going to do really, really well. So that's the overall thing that we're trying to help people with. So it's three things, just to reiterate, increase the revenue per sale. Number yeah. two, get your email list to buy more on a monthly basis. And the yeah. third thing is how to grow that email list. And this is yeah. whether it's Perry Marshall or Perry Belcher or everyone in between, every Perry and non-Perry in between, <laughs> they, they all have the same characteristic. These are the, this is the foundation, like that 
you know, yeah. it's the it's the it's the three legged stool of what you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. And like what you look at, if you go through all the different marketing gurus, you find that there's like, okay, well, this guy does it with a sideways sales letter and this guy does it with a long form sales page and this guy does it with a webinar. All of that stuff varies. But these things are what everybody agrees on. Every single person who really knows how to make the increase the revenue in this kind of business does all of these things. And so this is the absolute fundamentals that just most people are missing. And we just do that. We're like, you know, Vince Lombardi famously used to say at the beginning of every football season to his team, like, gentlemen, this is a football. Just go back to the basics, do the fundamentals every single time. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. And it works incredibly well. Like the average results we're seeing with our clients is about just over four times increase in revenue. I love the basics. Every John Wooden book I've ever read is the first thing he does is he says, this is how we tie our shoes. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love it. <laughs> There's something so simple and elegant about it because everyone's so up here. Like, what's all the ethereal concepts? Like, if you don't know that, like, none of it actually really matters. Like, yeah. This is a football. We're not playing with a basketball kind of thing. And you move from there. So, no matter what you do, like, if somebody comes to you and says, okay, I need your help. And if they don't have one of these three things, I'm assuming that this is the first thing that you fix or are you working with more advanced people that typically will have this sort of trio for their foundation or, or no most of the people we're working with have got have not got much of this stuff in place to start with sometimes we'll have someone who's actually got this and we're hoping to optimize it and improve it but most people just don't have these fundamentals and we're talking you know million dollar multi-million dollar businesses don't have most of this stuff in place yeah yeah. No, it's crazy. So the first thing you do is is this. Paid traffic isn't even a part of or a component of this at this point in time. And it's really, it's like upfront, you're going to partner with them in some way to make it, you know, revenue friendly on both sides of the equation. And then after that, hey, we might throw in paid traffic, but maybe not. Yeah, so we almost always will add that in later. But if you already have a source of traffic, let's say you've got SEO traffic coming to your website and you've got uh, sales coming in already and you're managing to be, you know, to get by as a business, if you then put ads on, you're just pouring so much money down the drain if you don't have a whole great system behind it. You've got so much revenue that you've already got available to you. So you increase the revenue per sale on every sale that you're making. You convert more of your email list to buying. You increase the size of your email list from your existing traffic. You go back all the way back through and you optimize all of that. You build a front-end funnel out. And then you start to drive traffic into your ads. And now every new person you get coming in is worth three, four, five times as much as they were before. Well, now you can afford to spend money on ads. Like the thing people, everybody says about, and everybody claims this, right? Ryan Dice claims this despite the fact he stole it from somebody else who stole it from somebody else before him is like the person who can afford to spend the most and gain acquiring a customer wins. So if your whole system makes you more money per lead per customer, everything else is easier. John, you had a really important disclaimer there though, which was if you already have a source of traffic, so you're already ranking organically, you already have a social following. Yeah. What if you don't, what if your brand spanking new, you're just launching your course, this business, where would you go then? So what I've seen work, and I don't know that this is like the quick, the easy answer, and I, I don't have that answer available. What I've seen work is people who, they start off by creating a lot of content, they find their audience, they gain traction with it, they make sure that people like what they've got to say, then they, with that audience, find out what kind of courses do they want, they make courses about that topic. The thing with that is that takes a bunch of time, right? If you want to start out and you want to know how do you get from zero to the the good business so that you can then start to scale it. I don't have the answer on that. Like we only work with people who've gone through that process already. They've figured out their audience, they've figured out their message, they've made sure what they're teaching is valuable to the market. And then they want the the improvement and convert more of their audience into buying from them. And well, that's, that's what we're I, really good I've at. learned and then tried to share. And I, I actually want y'all to challenge me on this because I'm curious as to whether or not, you know, you're good with a hammer, you think everything's a nail. I think the paradigm that paid traffic is only used for monetization has actually gotten a lot of people in trouble. And the, my favorite example of this 
we were hired by a, a firm that creates dental offices. And they go all throughout North America, US and Canada, building these dental offices. And a dental office costs half a million to $1.5 million to build between the equipment, medical devices, build out the, you know, deposit on the lease, et cetera. They had it dialed in. Really amazing little business. And I mean, they had hundreds of these little offices everywhere. And the way they identified their next location is they had this old guy, I forget his name. I think it was Hank. But, and he used to work for franchises. And he would literally drive around. So they're like, all right, Hank, we need something in Dallas. And so Hank would fly to Dallas and they would do a little bit of like, you know, demographic research or whatever. But then Hank would drive around and he'd have this map that he'd printed and he'd have this red permanent marker and he would put X's on the corners that he thought would be viable dental offices. So what I told them is, hey, let's run ads. Let's go run ads to each of these little micro geographies and figure out where you get the most engagement, the most whatever. And there was something about running ads to a dental office that didn't exist that just didn't resonate. And I'm like, why can't I spend 10 grand a month for 90 days to go figure out what corner is best to save you the, the half a million to $1.5 million? So what I'd love to see people do is like in this instance, if you're about to launch a course and you're thinking to yourself, like, I've got a friend actually who, who he owns bookkeepers.com and he helps people learn bookkeeping. And so if he came to me before he launched that business, I'd tell him, let's go run ads to it and let's see. And it's okay to waste a little bit of money on ads so you don't waste a whole bunch of time building an audience, building a course. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that, that opportunity to prove concept using paid ads is immense. And so if you're listening to this and you have an idea, the easy button for me is go run some ads. And if the ads fail, thank God. Thank God I learned it this way before I went and spent 18 months on building out an audience that I, I just couldn't sell to. I think there's two main problems with that because hypothetically, right, that was my, I, I came from a similar kind of place in terms of that's what you can do to, to prove this out when you get started. There's two main problems. One, nobody has the cojones to do it, <laughs> right? They just get so upset by spending money on ads and it not working and they give yeah. up. And I've seen that's it been my experience too. It's exactly what you said. Anybody that I push this at, they're like, oh, no way. Ads are too expensive and I'm just not, they'll spend a half a million dollars building a community that they yep. may or may not be able to monetize, but they won't spend 30 to 50 grand on ads. No. And I've seen it multiple times. So I'm like, okay, that's human nature. Let me not fight it. Let me just work with it. Second one yep. is in order to do it, here's what you've got to get right. You've got to get the ads right. So you're the messaging and the targeting and the creative, and you've got to get the funnel that you're pointing to right. And you've got to have good product market fit for it to line up. Now, if it doesn't work, which of those was wrong? I don't know. See, that's really, a really, good really point. hard to tell, right? It's a really good so point. If you build an audience first, you do one step, you've got an audience in an area that you know people are spending money, and then you find out what do they want and you start to build product market fit by building courses, tweaking it. Maybe you do it live first time and you charge a bunch of money and you do it as group coaching and then you turn it into a course afterwards and you take it that step. Well, now you know people like that thing. And then you learn the messaging and you do a customer avatar and you survey people and you check their customer language. And then you start to make some sales on a regular basis and then you go build a funnel and then you know, check that that converts with organic traffic and then you drive ads to it. Well, now it's possible. It's still not easy because mm. you still got to get the messaging right and the creative right and the targeting right. And that's not a small project, but you've got a chance now. It, it's an interesting, <laughs> I mean, I think as, as agencies, you get this all the time. And I'm sure you probably get businesses that have this issue. Oh, you build funnels. Oh, I have this widget. Can you go out and do it for me? Mm. Like, and we, we get it on our side. Oh, I've got this thing I want to launch to the world. It's a green juice. Well, it's the 17th <laughs> green juice, but that's okay. Uh, I want you guys to market it. A, a group yeah. that ended up working with us for a very short period of time. And I think we're still in legal proceedings trying to collect from them. But anyway, the point was, is we took them on. I said in their agreement, I said, okay, we don't usually do this, but we will help you build your funnel. They'll write your copy. We'll start throwing some ads towards it to see if it resonates with the market. But you need to commit $120,000, 30 grand a month, plus our fees for four months in order to figure out whether or not you have a product market fit. They lasted a month and a half because they didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to spend the money. Now I overestimated all of that, but my point was I put up so many barriers for them to, to say no, but they still said yes, they still wanted to do it and they chickened out 
And the point was, is that the market didn't want what they had. It was a crappy me too that had no differentiator in a very crowded market, very competitive market. It's like that you have to figure out whether or not you've got something the world wants first. Like that's the key. Fit, it's not small. It, that is a, it, it's a master stroke. And when you get it right, it's, I find unless you're a genius at this sort of thing, and you're probably pretty good at this. I think, you know, all of us are pretty good at it, but still it's like, it's a one in a hundred chance that you get something that actually the market really does want. And then it's a matter of, okay, now how do we position it with paid traffic, optimize it with funnel, monetize it with order bumps, all the stuff that we're going to be talking about here. Like, I don't know as if people realize how hard it is to even get to that point. Mm. Mm. The point that you John know? made earlier, I think, was really strong because, like, what you were saying and what I heard, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but it's you have to take every step individually. So if I'm going to build the audience, I'm going to do that first, and then I'm going to see what re what resonates with them topically, and then of those topics, I'm going to see which of those can be productized. So I think going back to my weird little obsession is if I'm going to use ads to prove concept, which I've done in smaller manifestations, mm -hmm. you have to be myopic with your thesis. It can't be, I'm going to see if there's an audience for this green juice. It's, oh, I wonder if bookkeepers are willing to buy a software that would improve their ability to track their time. And now I can go check, I can go test that thesis before I go build that software. So I think there's room for, for both. But I understand what you're saying about, I mean, honestly, if you have an idea, if you have a business like that, you just kind of have to be all in. It, you know, it's, it Henry, it's Henry Ford's whole thing. Like if I gave people what they wanted, it would have been a faster horse. You have to really go with your gut in some instances and gosh, is that scary? There's like a whole agency group out there of, and I don't even know if this exists of like just offer creation. Like, Hey, I want an offer. I want something to actually sell online. And I don't know what the hell the thing is. This is kind of where my interests are you go figure out what the offer is if there's a you know a market match to what it is that you know i can potentially sell you know what i mean and then you get some kind of level of opt-ins all this other stuff and then you hire a john ainsworth or me or a costum or whoever it happens to be but it's like that market has to like you almost have to do that on your own you mm. know what i mean because you won't deal with those types of people unless they're actually proven and people have told me it's like oh all you do is easy stuff like it's already working like the real hard stuff is like the offer well, i'm like well that's yeah. you're right it's yes. hard well, you, well, you get to own the business right because you made the thing out of nothing right, right. that's yeah. why you own the bit like you wouldn't do it if there wasn't a giant payout at the end of it. And there's the potential of this giant payout. But yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It's like, well, don't I'm stick glad that on you me. Said that. <laughs> don't put that on me. That's so funny. Right. It's like, I only oh. want to work with people where I can absolutely be sure that they will succeed. And the ones that can succeed are ones who've got all of the other steps apart from what we do in place. But we still get to bring loads of value because we can four times the size of their business. And it's like, that's awesome. But it's, it's, yeah, it's years of work doing that stuff. Like, how long did it take you to get tier 11 going, right? It wasn't mm. an easy job either, was it? Well, for Kasim, it took him like a week for solutions. Eh? But for <laughs> me, <laughs> it took me much longer. We're bumbling through. Yeah. <laughs> bumbling through. Yeah. Bumbling through. You know, there is a lot of bumbling through in business. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. Like, mm -hmm. this is my third or fourth business. Like, there's a lot of failure that goes along. But the ones who hit it right, right off the bat, like, it's amazing to me how, and they're usually like 20 or something years younger it's, than me. Dude, it's I Alric Heck. Do y'all know Alric? It's Alric Heck. Like, yeah. that guy. He's 22 years old. He's had like two <laughs> eight-figure businesses. And he just, and, he, and, and the worst part is he's a genuinely nice guy. Like, I just, yeah. I just hate him. Yeah. I hate people like that. Mm. Really? <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get to some really good ninja stuff. Just John obviously knows what he's talking about here on the funnel side of the equation. But the first part of today's show is really is all about like you do actually have to have an offer that the world wants. So we're going to assume that is the case. And that is not an easy thing to do. So if you've got one, consider yourself lucky. First off, pat yourself on the back. And when we get back from this commercial break, John's going to be going through a bunch of triggers and some examples, as well as maybe even some other opportunities inside upsells, order bumps, and some other ways in which you can fully monetize a funnel online. Stick around. We'll be back in two shakes of a lamb's tail, as dad used to say. <laughs> what the f 
did that come from? <laughs> Two shakes of a lamb's tail. I haven't said that since I was like ten. I'm glad. I'm glad you called yourself out on that, Ralph. Before I had to, I was gonna have to say this. <laughs> hey, it's Gossam here, and I have another question for you. What would your business look like if you had 55% more traffic, 67% more leads, and 30% more revenue on top of what you're already producing? Would that make a big difference in your bottom line or even your bank account? Well, those are the statistics for businesses that blog consistently. And I think the reason is simple. It's because Google wants to recommend websites with helpful content. Here's the problem. If you're like me, you don't have the time to sit down and write blogs. And even if I did manage to get enough words on the page, none of it's going to be any good. So if you're in that same position, I want to recommend our buddies at BKA Content who will write all of your blogs for you. They'll do all the research and all the writing. So all you have to do is copy and paste. If you want to try them out, they're giving PT listeners 50% off. That's 5-0% off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. All right, we are back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. Let's get back to funnels, shall we? So, John, tell us about some ways in which you guys increase revenue from sale. Like, what's the sort of the key? We've got a converting offer. People are buying it. That's a good step. It's your first step. But how do you do what you do in order to magnify the offer, increase the AOV, long-term value, and, and ultimately win with your customers? Yeah. So the second thing, so the first one's order bumps and we talked about that before, right? So the second one is upsells. Like how else can you increase the revenue per sale? And you start with this for two reasons. One, it's the quickest wins. And secondly, the benefit you get from this is it applies to every single other promotion that you ever do. So these all the all these tactics layer on top of each other. Mm. So you start with order bumps because it's it's two lines of text to write it. You use a product that you've already got. Every single funnel checkout software has got it built in. It's so quick to do. So you start with that one. The upsells is a separate stage, and people get these confused, right? So an order bump is on the checkout page. Someone has a tick box, and it adds something toward the order before they've checked out. The upsell is on the confirmation page. Someone has finished checking out. They put the credit card details in. They press submit. Order's going through. And then on the confirmation page, you say, great, your order is on the way. That's gone through. You're all good. You're going to love it. It's going to be fantastic. I'm paraphrasing here. And then here, but here's something else you might want to get as well. You just got the beginner course. Maybe you want the intermediate course. You just got a month's worth of membership. Maybe you want a year's worth of membership. So it's the next obvious step after what they've already got. And the genius thing with this for version one of it is you take an existing sales page you have, you duplicate it and you just tweak it. So you've already got a sales page for all your products probably. So you take the sales page you've already got, you add that here, and you just put that little bit of text at the top saying it's on the way, you put a discount on the page, you put a timer on there, that kind of thing. And now you've got an upsell and you want this to be a one click upsell. And this is normally built into all funnel checkout software and it'll convert at about 10 to 20% in the core space if you have a good upsell. And that adds about another 10 to 20% to your overall revenue because generally it's about the same price as the offer you've just sold them. That was going to be my question is in your experience, what is an adequate price to go at for an order bump? And so you're, you're doubling the value of that customer right then and there if it's the same yeah, price. Exactly. Yeah, with the upsell, it's, a, it's normally about the same. So let's say you're selling a course for 199 bucks, then the upsell could be 299, 149, something in that kind of ballpark is generally a really good idea. We've seen it work with like a client had, they didn't have anything else to sell. They just had like four products or something and they'd already used one as the order bump, one as the main product, one was behind the scenes. And so like, okay, I've got one left, but they, they were selling something that was $2,000 where the main product was 600. And he's like, well, should I do it? Like it may not convert very well, not many people will buy it. It's like, well, if you don't do it, nobody buys. So just put it in there unless and maybe later on you come back and figure something out. And it didn't convert at a very high percentage, but because it was three times as expensive as what they just sold them, they didn't have to convert that high. I think it converted at like, you know, 3% or something like that. But if it was the same price as what they just sold, that would have had to be at 10% to be worth the same amount. So it added a huge amount more revenue that, you know, and it's no extra ad spend. It's no extra email list size. It's just all extra profit. Great line. If you don't do it, nobody buys. Yeah. 
I really yeah. love that. What then? What are the sequences here, John? So I'm going through the checkout process, and I imagine it's order bump first on the checkout page, and mm -hmm. then the next page is upsell. Generally speaking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. How far do you go with these upsells? I took you up on upsell number one. Are you going to nest these things? Is there is yeah, there a so Russian doll here? You can, and there are times when you should, but generally you don't. So the the conversion rate for each subsequent one goes down. So the first upsell is going to have a 10 to 20% conversion rate if you've got a good sales page, good offer, good price, et cetera. The second one will be about 5 to 12%, even if you do a really good job in it. The third one will be like 3 to 5%. So they have diminishing value because more people are dropping out. They've, they've bought as much as they want to buy. And what you're doing is potentially annoying your customers, right? And that's why you don't want to do tons of them. The time when it would be worth it is if you are really trying to scale the ads and an increase in average order value in the first 24 hours, first hour or whatever, after somebody's just um, bought, will allow you to scale the ads more, will allow it to be profitable enough, mm. in which case it might be worth having upsell two, upsell three, even though it only adds a tiny bit more to your, to your revenue. If that's what allows you to be profitable on the front end and now you can run ads when you couldn't before, well, okay, that's now a big deal and it's worth it. So I can see where order bumps would have no or very little increase in abandoned carts. But mm -hmm. my fear with upsells would be my abandoned cart rate is going to go up and now I have to manage, you know, yeah, mitigate. that's impossible. Because what happens if somebody abandons that page, the offer still, the order still goes through. They've already put credit card details in. Oh, 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 oh genius. Yeah. yeah. The order bump is on the order page, which has the credit card information, orders processed, boom. Then they go to the thank you page. And so the upsell is on the thank you page. It's on the confirmation page. Exactly. This is why, yeah, yeah, this is why I'm an e-com dummy. Well, no, no, I think it's, it's actually, it's really important for people to sort of think about it. Like, right. I mean, Frank Kern is like in my newsfeed all the time now and he's pitching ROAS.org. Click through, of course, like he has a order bump. We ran his ads for God knows how many years. The point was, mm. is like everything had an order bump and then OTO number one, OTO number two. And I always refer to it as OTOs, like one-time offers. It's basically an upsell is the same thing. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And when you're saying one-time offer, what that means is you're never going to see this good of a price ever again. You're not mm. going to offer this, this kind of a price in your regular email promotions, definitely not on your website. It's like you can offer a really good deal here because you're selling to someone who's just bought. They're in the buying process. They're used to having their wallet out and spending money and they're ready to make. You can therefore offer something that's a really good price. And if you're doing it the front end funnel straight after ads, it's worth offering that really good deal because the anything that increases your average order value on the front end makes it easier to run ads because it increases your average order value, increases what you can afford as cost per acquisition. And like, I mean, you guys tell me I don't do any stuff with ads, but like if, if one of your clients came back tomorrow and said, right, now you can have a 40% higher CPA on this. Like, what would that do in terms of making oh, that's it easier? campaign to changing. You know what's unfair, actually? And, and I guess this is the conundrum of the agency world. We take clients who've already figured out their order optimization. So where you were like, you know, I take somebody who's already kind of figured out the offer. I don't work with a client unless their, their average order value is going to be enough to sustain paid traffic. So if there was an agency, and this is where it gets really hard, there was one of us that could figure all of these things out, you know, and sort of make a, a proverbial one-stop shop. I just, I think that that would be deadly, but it, it gets really hard because I need to loot yourself. I don't know how to do that because everything yeah. you're saying, I'm, I'm hearing and I'm like, gosh, I need to do this for my clients, but I don't know how I would do that and do it with efficacy and still stay amazing at what we do. It feels difficult. Yeah. We looked at doing ads at one point and eventually we're like, oh no, this is a terrible idea <laughs> because... <laughs> Because then we would be less good at the thing that we're spending. Like what we've done over the years is cut and cut and cut and cut. We used to do webinars. We cut out webinars. We used to do VSLs. We cut that out. We used to do all these different kinds of things. We're like, no, we just do these like these three main areas. And there's like eight total tactics underneath those. And that's it. That's all we do. And we, we're still looking. Is there anything in there that we else that we could cut so we can get better at those those few things? Well, I think, you know, the very few people can do it all extraordinarily well there's the other yeah. part to this which is like you're right in the middle of it you're between the paid traffic side and what i sort of consider like offer optimization offer augmentation which is like maybe the fictitious service that we talked about 
before, but it's like, all right, we're going to create an offer. We're going to take what you've got, this melange of a lot of different products, and we're going to put it together in something that actually makes a whole lot of sense with an order bump, one click upsell or OTO on the end of it, monetize it fully. You guys don't advise on what should be done there or there you do advise. Like for example, you're selling a, you know, a book funnel, classic order bump is, Hey, check the box and get the audio version for mm-hmm. whatever the price is. Like that's most people won't think of that, but you guys are actually doing that. Cause I, I consider that like that's funnel building, but it's also offer augmentation mm-hmm. in a way or optimization really more than, more than anything. Like where would you sort of draw that line as far as like a scope of service is considered? Yeah, that's a hundred percent part of what we do. Like the actually helping people figure out what is your order bump, what is your upsell is is integral to what we're doing. Because people have no idea what makes a good order bump or a good upsell, what have you. And one of the things we'll do with our coaching clients is we'll sit down with them and we'll do a brainstorming session. We'll get them to list out everything that could be available. And people will say, like, I've only got two courses. And then we'll go through and we're like, okay, well, what about this thing that you did as a free webinar six months ago? They're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I could sell that now. Yeah, cool, great. So let's include that one in there as an, as an option of what you could have. And just keep drawing out of them again and again and again. Like, okay, well, let's take, what if we took 10 of your best YouTube videos and packaged that up for people? What if we split something out from one of your courses and made that into an order bump? What if we bundled three things together and made that into an upsell? And all of this stuff of like, how do you actually put that thing together into making a good offer? Like, you know, like Alex Hormozzi's book, right? $100 million offer. It's like so much of the the most important thing in what you're selling is the offer. Mm. Like it's more important than any of the copy on the sales page. So we have to have a good offer. So a lot of what we're doing is working with people. Monica and my team is incredible at this. I just watch her like it's like an artist at work, just drawing out from people all these different ideas and then coming back with ways of putting it back together again. Yeah, it's phenomenal. But it's, it's yeah, it's, it's 100% necessary. How do you advise on the the pricing side? I'm reading a really interesting book. Maybe we can leave it in the show notes. Confession of a Pricing Man. It's really, really good. I read it a year or so ago. I was recommended it again. The point is, it's like there's so many nuggets in here. It's like the Hermosi book. Yes, mm. <laughs> it's like a must. And so I'm interested here because I'm so into this right now at this particular moment. Where do you end up on the pricing? I know you made a couple of recommendations on the order bump, but you've given some examples where, you know, the upsell is actually more than the initial <laughs> offer. And then sometimes it's less like, where is that point of intersection where it's the perfect price? And that's sort of the area of the book where I'm in right now. Yeah. So in terms of pricing on those order bumps and upsells, what we'll do is we just got our rule of our rule of thumb that we'll always start with, and then we'll see what the conversion rate is on it. So with the order bump, we'll normally look at something that's a third of it. Normally, most products we're selling for between like $99 and 500 bucks. Because what we're doing is we're selling courses that you can sell via email promotions. That's our sweet spot. So we're not doing webinar funnels. We're not doing phone calls. So we're just selling that kind of cheaper stuff that you can sell via email, which typically is in that kind of price point. We don't want for the main product for it to be cheaper than about 79, even in the um, hobby space, because we've done tests on the pricing. And if you, you can't sell twice as much of something at half the price of that. So therefore, 79 is kind of the minimum that we're looking for. And generally, it's between 79 and $199. That's kind of the sweet spot generally. And if it's in the B2B space, it's a little bit higher than that. With the order bump, it's about, you start with a price of about a third of the main product. With the upsell, you're looking at something that's about the same price as the main product. So that's our starting point. And then we'll start running tests. And the crucial thing here is you have to get something up. You have to implement before you optimize it. You can't go straight to the optimized version. So you get something up and you do a really good job with it and you see what the conversion rate is and then you go from there. And if it's converting at like, 18%, you go great, if the upsell's converting 18%, you go great. That's right within benchmarks. That's doing really well. Let's look at what stage in the funnel is not doing well. Because trying to improve something that's good or really good and make it excellent is really difficult and time consuming. And you may get it wrong. Taking something that's dreadful or not in place at all and making it into something good is relatively easy. So you always start with the lowest ones, the ones that are furthest from benchmarks, but are still going to make a big difference and do that before you go back through and start looking at anything else. Dude, there's so many value bombs you just dropped right there. So I'm going to try to repeat some of what I heard because I just feel like it bears 
I wanted to slow that down a little bit because it was just like like rapid fire, John. So thank you. But the first thing was $79 is the minimum threshold because you can't sell twice as many products at half of that price. Yeah. That's interesting. And that's, you know, it's kind of cool to see somebody who's done the work and has that data because the rest of us would be shooting in the dark. So, and he, what's really funny about that is, and I know you're in the course creation space, we do a lot in the e-commerce space. And generally speaking, paid traffic agencies won't take anybody with less than an $80 average order value. So we've mm -hmm. all kind of found that same threshold, that 80 bucks. So that was interesting. And then the other thing that I said, you said that I loved was you, you can't optimize until you implement. And it's shocking how many people try to do that. Yes. And, you know, they're building on clouds. Like there's no foundation. So I think that that's, you know, that should be tattooed on somebody somewhere. And you're volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, next meetup, you know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> that's right. But the other thing that you started to talk about, John, that I really appreciate, and I'd love to dive in a little bit deeper is you, you have benchmarks. So I'd mm -hmm. love to know what are the windows that you aim for, for upsells, order bumps, maybe just standard conversions. And then when is it that the thermometer gets low enough to where you're like, all right, I'm going to try to crank this up. And how is it that you look at that? Yeah. So we had to run tests for years in order to figure out all of this benchmark data. I tried going through courses and talking to other people. And it turns out nobody really tracks all of their data on this kind of thing. And I just was stunned by it. And so we're obsessed about it. I mean, we're called data-driven marketing. It's hardly shocking, right? And so we have spreadsheets of every single campaign that we have ever run for every single client, and we know what the benchmark data is on all of them. So what we're looking at with order bumps is a 30 to 60% conversion rate. That's the that's the threshold. That's where most people can get to. Dude, Best that's we ever a had lot 70. higher than I would have expected. 30 to 60%. Yes. Yeah, they're really high. And it it doesn't make logical sense if you think about it, because you're like, all you've got is two lines of text and someone gets to buy, but it's the, it's the place that it is in the sales process that means mm. that it's so high. It's, it's where it is. It's on the checkout page. Someone's in the middle of buying and you do that and it increase and, and, and 30 to 60% of people will buy. So if you've got a 20% conversion rate order bump, we're like, okay, we can, we can 100% beat that. If it's a 40, 50%, it's like, let's leave that for a while and come back when we've got, when that's really is the lowest hanging fruit. Upsells, we're looking at 10 to 20%. And so way, way lower, but you can have a higher price tag at that point as well. Yeah, I'd have guessed at about 10 to 20% for the upsells. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And of course, like you're saying, it depends on the upsell that you're going after. And, you it know, I know that you're in the course the price world, a lot as well. Yeah, this feels like it's applicable to anybody with a checkout page. You mm -hmm. know, courses, yes. e-commerce, SaaS, whatever. If you're taking money online, like you might as well throw in an order bump, throw in an upsell and just see what happens. Because like you said earlier, if you don't, they, they can't buy. So let's just try it. Yeah, in e-commerce space, the conversion rate is lower. It's more like about 15% on the order bumps. But the reason for that is because you're not generally doing an order bump specifically to go with each product. You've normally got a lot more mm. SKUs in the e-commerce space. And so therefore, you're just putting something in place, let's say like Zipify in the Shopify system, which is then going to add the same order bump across everything. Now you could, you could say, right, I'm going to take my absolute bestseller or the one I'm driving ad traffic to, and I'm going to put the perfect order bump to go with that but generally most people aren't so people don't do that work. yeah the question there's continuity we had a, we had a client who sold quill pens uh, they were really cool they're like these old school feathers and then they had a bunch of little nibs or little tips i'm using all the wrong words but whatever it was so the quill pen that you bought came with like two but then right as you're about to check out they have this order bump for two dozen and they were you know they make different shapes and the uptake on the order bump was damn near 100 percent because it was so consistent with what it was that that person wanted. And that's what they were banking on. So the amount of money that we made off of selling the pen was a wash. They were like, as long as I'm 1x ROAS, I can keep doing this because I make all my money on the order bump. I thought that was really interesting. And I'm probably mm. overstating that 100%, but it was a lot. Like it was definitely the majority, you know, 70, 80%, something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I remember it like kind of blowing me away. It was on the order bump or the upsell? On the order bump. That's what happens on the checkout page, right? I'm using the yeah, right yeah. words. Yeah. It was on the checkout and it was like, hey, great, we're going to do this by the way. And it was one little checkbox. And if you click the checkbox and what they did that was really intelligent, it was an overwhelming value because, you know, I'm paying $25 for this quilt pen or whatever the pen was, I forget. And, but then I can get like all these little, and it comes with two little nubbins, but then I can get 
a dozen little nubbins for another 25 bucks. Like, are you freaking kidding me? That's how much I spent on the pistol. Like, of course I'm going to do that. It was just, it was really well anchored. They anchored the value of the original thing, kind of walked you into it. And then they gave you, you know, it was Billy Mays. But wait, there's more. If you were to know, I'll double it in. So it was just kind of this no brainer to where you're kind of stupid if you didn't do it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's tremendous. John, this has been great and we really appreciate you. Where can people find you and where do they get in touch with you to get some of the goodies that you guys offer? Yeah, so we have uh, a group coaching program and a done-for-you service for people actually going through and doing all of this. We do that on a profit basis. So if we help people to increase their revenue, then we get paid a percentage of that. There's no there's no cost apart from that. And we're pretty picky about who we work with. So the first step to do is you go to courseprofitreport.com, fill in like 10 to 12 questions there, and it's we will figure out for you a personalized plan for your business in terms of how much extra revenue you could make, what steps to work on first. We'll send you training about how to do it all for free. And then if you look like you'd be a good fit to work with us, then we'll we'll drop you an email about that as well. So that's courseprofitreport.com. Courseprofitreport.com. Awesome. And uh, people want to connect with you specifically. Is it a LinkedIn, Instagram thing? Any links we want to leave in the show notes there? Or Email Beth, John at datadrivenmarketing.co. That's the best way. I'm not on social media all that much, really. Yes, he's a holdout. That's good. I, I love people <laughs> like you. And you're still doing well without the socials. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on this week's show. And uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, thanks to our friends out there giving us uh, nice reviews on wherever you listen to podcasts, Rafa, especially this week, a little more of a shout out to him, leaving us a nice review. It really does help. I mean, reviews we found do help us reach a wider audience. And there's, uh, there, there's plenty of business out there in the world. So don't think like just because you listen to perpetual traffic, you should just keep it to yourself. Like share this with your friends, leave us a review, it helps us influence more people, which is the reason why we do all this and help them become di better digital marketers and better online marketers by bringing guests like John here onto the show here today. So please subscribe, leave a rating wherever you're listening. Let us know we, we can do better. Where can they find that, Kasim? If they want to tell us, like, they don't like my new haircut or they don't you want you to get a new haircut or we're talking too much, like, where do they go for that? Perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Better. Just better. like that. And we're going to leave all the links in the show notes for John here today. We left quite a few, as well as go back and listen to previous episodes. Follow Kasim and myself over on the Twitters. It's Ralph HB and at Kasim Aslam. Like I said, all our, our show notes will also be over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 